0: Hi, everyone. 2019 is coming to the end in a few days. And I have to be honest here. I'm pretty excited for it to be over. A new decade is beginning. And I think 2020 is going to be a phenomenal, trying, but amazing year for a lot of us. So before this episode rolls, I just wanted to remind you all that my cart for registration for my new year, better you virtual online self care session is still open. And we'll be open until the first of the year. Class starts 1-5, so the 5th of January, and it's going to be wonderful. And I'm so, so, so excited to join the many of you who have signed up from all over the world. So I will have the link in the description and episode notes of this episode. And to kick off our last, oh my goodness, our last podcast of the year, I'm sitting down with spiritual teacher, Jessica, and she is going to give us some wisdom today and it's going to be a fun chat happy new year everyone without you the hey girl podcast would not be what it is without you the alex l community would not be what it is so i am humbled and grateful for you standing with me this year and hopefully for more years to come take care chat soon hi i'm alex l and i write books for a living The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind.
1: Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. girl.
0: Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey Hey girl. Hey girl. Jessica, it's nice to have you on the show. How are you today?
1: I'm so good. I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. I am thrilled.
0: I cannot wait to dive into this conversation and get to know more about you and your offerings and your work. Um, but before we do, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do.
1: Well, I'm Jessica Lignato and I I do kind of a bunch of things. I'm an astrologer and a writer and a podcaster. I'm also an animal communicator and a psychic medium. Sometimes I hear me describe what I do and I think, really? That's weird. But yes, those are all the things I do. And um, and they kind of all dovetail into each other, but also exist really separately and uniquely. So
0: Amazing. So let's start with astrologer and writer. How did you step into your work as a writer and as an astrologer?
1: Well, the writing was honestly kicking and screaming uh, I really mm-hmm. I I remember years ago I was offered my first column my first astrology column by the local progressive newspaper in San Francisco and I was just like I cannot write and so I paired up with a friend of mine Michelle T who is a writer and you know she wrote and I spoke the horoscopes and we did that for years and she was always so encouraging and like you really don't need me you should you can write and I was like no I can't write I did a little bit of of college after high school. I'm not a studious, scholarly person. And I'm also really restless. So I just thought, oh, I don't have the patience to write. And then eventually I did take over that column. And then I got more and more writing jobs. And I kind of think of myself as a reluctant writer. And I do have a book coming out, but I spoke the book with a, with a writer.
0: <laughs> so, oh, amazing. Amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited about the book.
0: Congratulations. That's very exciting. Thank you. Um, I do want, I, I, I want to hear more about this reluctant writer in you and where that notion of like, I can't write came from. And then all these, you know, years later and columns later, you're here, you have a book coming out. And like, how did that transform who you are as a person and how you show up in the world by tackling this thing that felt like kind of inaccessible to you at the time.
1: I was... So, okay. So we go back to high school for a moment here. I barely passed high school. I did not do well in in high school. But for some reason, kids called me a brain. So I had this way of interacting with teachers that was respectful. I felt bad for my teachers. So I made eye contact with them. I sat in the Mm -hmm. front of class. I didn't really perform well, but teachers felt bad for me and they passed me, which, you know, is complicated on its own. But I had really clearly, you know, in my head that I just wasn't very smart. And my Mm -hmm. family, you know, they're immigrants and their kind of attitude was, you know, marry up, marry well, you know, you're not going to do well for yourself. So you better just marry a man who can take care of you. It was always my kind of like my upbringing and, um, you know, college was never a conversation. There was never any kind of conversation about whether or not I'd go to university and I didn't. And I came out as gay, very young. I mean, not very young by today's standards, but you know, in my later teens and Mm -hmm. was very clear that I didn't want to get married and that there was going to be no man taking care of me. And so I was just like, I'm just going to be completely myself. And, I kind of then never returned to, I could write or I could like, I I never really returned to like learning new things out in a conventional sense. And then I became a self-taught astrologer and was, you know, looking back, an incredibly dedicated student. The hours I put in I just don't even know how I put that many hours in. I was really (laughs) incredibly diligent, but for some reason I didn't count it. So I kind of had this like meaningful space between like what counted as writing or studying Mm -hmm. and what didn't. Mm -hmm. When over the course of, you know, many years, I got one writing job and then another writing job and I just thought, well, it's not really writing, you know, or, oh yeah. Okay. So people seem to not mind my writing. Eventually over the course of time, I got the feedback that people liked my writing or they thought I was a good writer or. I thought I was a writer at all, and it really—it surprised me. And I'm not sure if I'm rambling away from your question, but I think I'm still in my mid 40s. I think I'm still kind of like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm a writer. It's not what I thought for myself. And I say that, and I just spent the last three hours writing a column, one of my several columns that I write. So, yes, <laughs> go <pick> yes. Here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would. I think I would raise my hand to
1: say, I think she's a writer here, guys. <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, objectively, you're probably right. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just—it's one of those things where I am very identified with being an astrologer, um, a medium, psychic. There's all these things that I do that I'm really clear about. And mm-hmm. for some reason, even though writing is, is a huge part of my life publicly impersonally, personally, it's less a part of my identity in a way. I think because it's so much harder for me. So maybe there's like a false equivalence that I'm holding there.
0: I would love for you to dive into your love for astrology and how that's become something really big and major in your life, an offering that you give to the world. And then let's talk about how astrology has shown you what self-care is, if that's Mm. a thing, and also what community is and how community has kind of rallied behind your offerings and what the planets and the stars and the sun and the moon offer us in these different spaces.
1: Mm. So I've always been really passionate about astrology and when I so I'm from Montreal, Quebec. I've been in the US for like 25 years, but I still got it, you know, a little Canadian, a little American. I'm a solid mix in here. But in the province of Quebec, there's a different school system. So high school goes grade 7 to 11 and then there's 2 years of CEGEP, which is like it was like 60 bucks a semester. It's Mm -hmm. university courses, but it's not university. So you can kind of figure out what you want to do. And it's only in the province of Quebec. It's not in the whole country, but that school system for me is the literal greatest gift I got out of my childhood. I explore what in your higher education resonates for you. I, can only say good things about it. But uh, when I went to C-Shep, I went to an alternative C-Shep. It was the new school and it wasn't associated with the American new school, but it's kind of a similar shtick. There was the Jungian, a psychology teacher in the main school taught uh, introduction to astrology from a Jungian perspective in the alternative school. I took that and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to be an astrologer. It was just it. It was clean and clear. And that was in the early 1990s. And I kind of came out very shortly after that. And so I was like, oh, so I'll just move to San Francisco because it was the only place in North America that I think existed at the time where you could be an astrologer and be out and have like a thriving life as a Mm -hmm. queer woman. And so Mm -hmm. I did that not long after. And I, you know, kind of the answer to all parts of your questions kind of coincide because for me astrology has been an amazing lifesaver. Like For me personally, not as a practitioner, but as as a user of astrology, because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, look at a birth chart, not a sun sign horoscope, but a birth chart. It's like you can see the math of how you came to be, your family of origin, uh, your nature, the struggles you're going through now. And for me, that was incredibly validating. It helped me to cultivate self-acceptance and self acceptance is foundational to so much maybe all personal growth being able to really accept this is this is who i am right now this is where i come from and astrology gave me language for it and it gave me kind of permission to accept myself and i i really kind of like an extension of that when i moved to san francisco it was so much about me kind of connecting with other people around astrology and around how we were struggling towards self acceptance and self love and a meaningful life, and mm-hmm. it kind of um, they're they're all so deeply interconnected. But I I will say that I I used to think all the time throughout my twenties like I don't know how anyone lives without astrology. I don't know how anyone <laughs> deals with the complexities and the twists and turns of life without it because it's so validating to have a sense of kind of the predictability or the or the math of it all. I guess and so yeah I I'm. Not sure if I'm actually answering all parts of your question, but for me, astrology has, over the course of many years, given me community in many different ways. You know, now it's a huge international digital community. Back in the 90s, it was really about a way of connecting with others and a way of supporting my community and them supporting me back. You know, it really, as a creative, as somebody who feels really called to help people on their journeys. My role is to be supportive to individuals and hopefully communities. But in order for me to be able to make a living doing these things, my community has to support me back. And I really love that kind of model for earning a living and being self-employed of kind of like Mm -hmm. mutual support. Um, And I think that's a huge part of being an astrologer or any kind of self-help or uh, self-care practitioner.
0: Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For twelve ninety five per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting, hands-on learning for kiddos, three end up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. as we kind of talk about entrepreneurship and how we need each other in this community mm-hmm. to show up. Right. So I yes. say that all the time. Like I'm an entrepreneur. Yes. And I love my job, but I wouldn't really have a job if my customers and readers of my books and folks who sign up for the workshops and retreats weren't patronizing. Mm-hmm. And it's like when people say things like, I don't need anybody, like like that barrier, that negative self-talk sometimes that we give when our heart has been broken or how you know, our feelings have been hurt. I hear that a lot. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. But we do in mm-hmm. so many ways. And and that kind of comes back to the whole community thing and how we have that exchange. So if I have someone who I'm working with who's saying, I don't need anybody, but can you give me a, a good book recommendation? Like that's you needing somebody, <laughs> even if it's in the smallest capacity. And that's like big and major. And that's why I'm so grateful for people like you in this work, because it shows us that in order for our community to thrive, number one, we have to take care of ourselves. And number two, our community has to take care of us in whatever capacity that is. And I wanted to know your thoughts on that, especially as a person who does astrology and who does these self-care offerings for folks and being the practitioner that you are. What has your entrepreneurship taught you about community as well, especially when folks are kind of like on the fence?
1: In my head, I'm clapping and cheering for everything you just said. Yes, yes, yes. And and I think it's also very kind of fashionable to be like, oh, I'm unbothered. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the reality is that is like a male archetype of how we, I don't know, thrive in the world is I do it on my own. I make my money. Mm-hmm. I build my business. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of that that I think is healthy and useful and productive. I think it's also an outdated uh, way of engaging with being of service, you know, whatever that service is, even if you're just, you know, if you're making shoes, you know, I think that we really need to be there with each other for each other to consider the impact on the planet, to consider the impact of our words professionally on the people in our personal lives, like all the layers. And, you know, when people come to me for consultations, so it's, there's a lot of different ways that I work with people, but for my one-on-one consultations, people don't usually lead with, I don't need anybody because people usually come to an astrologer or a psychic as a last stop, right? Because it's mm-hmm. unconventional. Mm-hmm. People don't yeah, come yeah. To, to someone like me first, usually. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly there's certain people who do, but by and large, it's like, I've seen the therapist, I've you know consulted with all these different kinds of people and I haven't gotten the help I need. And I'm really encouraging of the kind of really unique space that happens with yearning or Mm. kind of it's not about neediness it's not about codependency but it is about being present for the fact that we are not meant to do things alone it's actually even the birth chart articulates that it is really about how the planets interact with each other that's Mm. the birth chart right there it's the interaction and we are not just our parts we are the synthesis of our parts and that synthesis of how we choose to Engage. Of how we let others in, how we keep them out, that is an organism on its own. And it's it's growing and retracting all the time. And mm-hmm. the more kind of present we are with how we do or don't participate and who we let in, how, even why, those things help us to grow and to be more whole. And kind of like on the entrepreneurial tip, I will say that my only business model <laughs> really has ever been support my community, show up with integrity support my community and let them do the same for me. I really believe that that's what works and the key is and the thing that I think a lot of people especially a lot of women struggle with is that doesn't mean you don't get compensated fairly. And what is right. fair in 2019 is a different number than what was fair in 2009 and what will be fair yeah. in 2030. <laughs> we get to grow and as we invest more in the development of our skills to require greater compensation, we get to grow our prices with inflation. You know, we don't outside of capitalism, even if we want to be intentional and ethical within it. You know right. I think a lot of times women we undervalue ourselves or we feel bad asking for our value. And that's mm. you know, something I want to be a part of the conversation of kind of outgrowing. It's hard, it's a practice.
0: You wrote on Instagram and you said, anything you lose by being honest, you never really had to begin with, my love. So let's talk about that as we walk into 2020 and we think about and we want our communities to think about what's staying in 2019 and what's coming with us into the new decade. Can you elaborate on that quote? And it's from 2017, actually. Let's talk about that a little bit and give the listeners some insight on what you meant by that.
1: One of the most common questions that people ask, or a psychic, is, will they come back to me? Will I get this thing back? And the reality is, that if it's yours, you cannot lose it. It's just not how it works from a spiritual standpoint. And I want to actually pull back to say that I really like to hold space for the dichotomy of things. There is Mm -hmm. a level on which we cannot lose what is ours, right? We cannot. That's the spiritual truth. On a material truth, yeah, I owned earrings and I lost them, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think (laughs) that it's important to acknowledge that not all truths exist on all levels 100% of the time, Um, Mm -hmm. that the nature of truth, especially when we get into the nuanced realm of spirituality, it includes a paradox. And I think it's really important that we can breathe into that because it is really hard when you are, let's say, letting go of a dynamic in your relationship with your mom. Letting go of that dynamic is scary and that you have pain in your relationship and you have pain inside of yourself and that that pain is actually not a symptom of something breaking. It's a symptom of being present for what was already not working, right? Mm -hmm. And we have this way that we respond to pain as though it's like a symptom of something wrong. And sometimes pain is, but sometimes pain is asking getting present. And Mm -hmm. when we get present for what hurts, we Tend to recoil, but I think it's really important to develop a practice of breathing into even our scary and unpleasant emotions. Because as we practice cultivating greater presence and not abandoning ourselves, we can start to unpack what is actually the truth of this emotion—not just "Oh no, this hurts. I, I need to fix this." What is true right now? What is true here for me? And and the complexity of the truth. It might be I don't want to feel these feelings, but I do want to be in this process to get to the other side. There's a paradox in that but it is it is worth investigating and being present for and that particular quote that you're referencing is it really strikes a chord with people it's like the most shared quote that i've written and it's just really what i kind of take from that is how many of us are struggling on so many levels of our lives with holding on to people or things or attitudes that weren't true for us but we're scared that without it the kind of space that those things leave. It's a really scary thing. It's truly, I think, frightening to step into the unknown. And we tend to, you know, align ourselves with the devil we know instead of the unknown in general. And hopefully not too long of a answer on that.
0: No, I love that. I love that a lot. Switch gears a bit and chat about your personal self-care as a medium and as someone who shares energy pretty heavily and intensely and what that looks like for you in your life, taking care of you without, you know, the client aspect or the energy aspect. I don't know if that's possible, but I would love to hear your thoughts. (laughs)
1: Self-care, it's a bunch of rocks I'm constantly schlepping around with me, if I may be honest. It's it's heavy. It's a lot of work. I my sensitivities, you know, people hear psychic and they, the word psychic really, it triggers people. Some people are like, man, that's not true. That's not real. Other people think it's amazing or they really, you know, think it's magical. It's to me, I just think of psychic as a muscle that, you know, all humans have. It's kind of difficult for some people to develop. It's less difficult for others, but the more developed the muscle is, unfortunately, you have to be careful, kind of like you don't overextend or like hyperextend from that muscle. And so for me, the energy of self-care are very, uh, I'll say difficult. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not complaining. I'm grateful for my gifts, but I'm constantly having to engage with practices around getting grounded and clearing other people's energy. And when I say clearing other people's energy, I mean, you know, I got a massage recently. Sounds delightful, mm-hmm. right? I got a massage mm-hmm. from somebody new. And after the massage, I was in bed for hours. I was in so much emotional pain because she had a lot of emotional pain and I didn't, shield myself because I was like, I'm going to get a massage. Self-care. And it wasn't self-care. So I I have these sensitivities that I'm constantly trying to return to what are healthy boundaries and what am I resonating with and how can I learn from that? Because I am of the mind that we we kind of pick up energies, negative energies, or we get triggered by people when we resonate with them or the energy in general. And so I'm constantly having to look at that. And in terms of practices, I spend a lot of time alone, a lot of time trying to breathe into my physical body to locate my emotions and also the energy that I'm feeling. And from my standpoint, Emotions and and energetics are really different, but they can feel really similar, and it's hard to differentiate them without being really present. You know, the analyzer mm-hmm. is like, what I what do I feel? What do I feel? But when you actually get into the body, or rather, when I get into my body, it's a real practice of like, these are my emotions, and these are all the feelings I'm collecting from people on social media, uh, listeners mm-hmm. to my podcast, uh, people on the block, you know, whatever it is. In the practice of clarifying which is which, the energy that I pick up requires energy work for return, Mm -hmm. kind of like what I call return to sender, kind of AOL style. Energy work, I just kind of like try to press the psychic button of like return to sender and just hear a little wish in my head and go. And then the Mm -hmm. emotional work is a lot more psychodynamic and probably a lot more conventional. But I am really always in process with myself, like honestly, every single Mm -hmm. day around how to release energy, how to calm my energy back in. And a lot of it is really body centered. And the body is kind of the hardest part for me because as a psychic i'm like i'm up out of the body a lot and i don't think it's actually a really healthy or sustainable way of being so i'm i'm constantly working on that and i should also say i have a couple different therapists i like to work with not weekly but you know i work with a couple different therapists i work with an energy worker every week i do like to get body work as frequently as i can which isn't always frequently but um so there's a lot of things that i do and you'll notice that none of them were astrology mm. and the reason why is because <laughs> astrology is an analytic pursuit. It's a tool that I research and I use. I can use astrology to determine what self-care acts to pursue, but it itself is not a self-care act for me at this stage in my relationship to it.
0: So when you were talking and saying that you got a massage because self-care and then you ended up super depleted due to the other person's energy the the massage therapist energy how do you how do you know that I mean I guess it's in how you feel right afterwards but do you you say anything to that person when you get off the table like do you feel like it's your duty to be like hey I'm in this work and it feels like x y and z could be happening and like do you say anything or do you just kind of go home and then you're just with that energy all day? Yeah. And then how do you get out of that?
1: Excellent questions. I don't, say anything because my view is that it's not appropriate. I don't like people invading my privacy. I think psychics actually have a bad reputation of like walking up to people on the street and freaking them out. (laughs) And so I'm really a big believer in privacy. Yeah. So I don't, I never tell people outside of a session, unless it's a friend, you know, if I'm hanging out with friends and I have something physical come up, I will tell them if it's emotional. I won't. But if it's like, oh, somebody's got a, you know, their their right knee is messed up, and I'm sitting at dinner with them, and my right knee starts throbbing, I will be like, okay, whose knee? Whose knee is bugging them? Let's talk. <laughs> you know, um, and the way that I can tell, honestly, has taken many, many years to develop because as a child, I was physically sick every day of my childhood, you know, not hospitalized sick, but I was uncomfortable in pain and like low-key sick every day. And I didn't realize that what it was is I was picking up on the pain. Not to brag, but my gift is I pick up on pain. I don't pick up on joy. And when I was in my later 20s, yeah, just at the end of my 20s, and I started to realize that this was psychic ability, it really improved my life. And now in my 40s, I'm healthier than I've ever been because I can, over the course of time, I've been able to be able to identify what my feelings are, how I feel Mm. in my body, how my emotions feel in my system. So I can determine the difference between what I feel and what I'm experiencing of somebody else's feelings, be they physical or emotional. And it's about being present with subtlety. And that is, I wish I had a really great way of explaining how to do it. It's really a practice and it's, I'm not always good at it. But when I left that particular massage, I was, I mean, I just wasn't myself. You know, my partner and I have been together for, we're about to have our eight year anniversary. And um,
0: congratulations. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. We've gotten to a place where he absolutely can look at me and be like, like, uh-oh, oh no, here we go, <laughs> you know? I look like a different person. I talk like a different person. This particular person, unfortunately, had had just really incredible trauma. And I did pause and think, you know, do I have to like reach out to them? Do I have to do something? But it wasn't my place. And, and I think this is really, you know, an important thing is, again, boundaries. If somebody isn't asking for help, and you know, they're not in my office, to me, it is hubris to assume that they would want my take on what is helpful or that they would want to talk about things because when people are in trauma, you don't want to come at them with something really deep when they're at work. And also, not everyone's open to psychics. It's 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 a lot. But in terms of what I did is I canceled my appointment. I had an appointment with a dear friend who was going to help me with something I really wanted help with. I canceled it. I got into bed and I just really, I did as much clearing work as I could and I didn't push myself. And I think, you know, being responsive to shifts, unfortunately, Uh, is a big part of being psychic. It's, you know, it's an unfortunate part, but it it is a big one.
0: So before we wrap up, one more thing. What affirmation are you taking with you into the new decade? What is going to stay constant or perhaps become new for you when it comes to positive self-talk? That's
1: a really great question. You know, I am not sure if I have a tidy affirmation, but as an astrologer, I'm, of course, thinking forward. It's what we do. We look at the astrology of the year ahead around this time. And what I'm really focused on is when I'm not hopeful, being determined, being clear about the impact I want to make on the world and in my own life. And staying aligned with that with integrity, and for me, that doesn't really require optimism. I'm not a very optimistic person, um, but it does require clarity of intent. You know, I, I am clear about how I want the world to be, and how I want my life to go, and what I want my work to reflect. And I will always return to that clarity when I have choices to make. And really try to always make sure that my actions reflect those values. So it's not quite an affirmation, but it's it's a whole thing.
0: Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to pop in here and wish you all a very happy new year. This year went by so fast. And without you, this Hey Girl podcast community would not be accessible. It would not be a thing. So just thank you all so much for rocking with me for 2019. I also wanted to let everybody know that the registration card for my New Year Better You virtual online course is open until the first of the year. Class begins on the fifth of the year, and I cannot wait to join this global community in creating and cultivating better versions of ourselves as we step into this new decade. If you're interested in joining me and everyone else who has signed up, check the episode notes for the link to do so. Happy New Year, Hey Girl podcast listeners. I am honored to be standing with you as we step into a new chapter, a new decade, a new year. Take care.